0: We're in week three of our series, Greater Gifts. In week one, the focus was you are beloved. And it's a good place to start. Because in this faith, you have to know that you are beloved. Otherwise, you're just gonna get off all in the wrong the wrong direction. God made all of this for us. When we were unfaithful, God gave Jesus for us because we're loved. Now, we can boil down the gospel into love God and love your neighbor, right? Except love your neighbor as yourself. You have to know you're loved. You have to know how to love yourself. If you don't know how to love yourself, you're probably not going to love your neighbor very well. So week one, no, you are beloved. Last week, we had 34 people. And we filled these two rows up, and it was a lot of fun, but I'm glad to see all of you that weren't able to make it. We focused on gifted for others. That the Spirit gives each of us a gift. That if you proclaim Jesus is Lord, you only do that because the Spirit has been working in your life and convinced you of this truth. And then the Spirit gives you gifts, and every single one of you have been given a gift. Every person has been given a gift by the one Spirit. And that gift is not to build yourself up, as was going on in the church in Corinth. Rather, it is to build the church up, gifted for others. This week, being needy, which kind of sounds uncomfortable at first hearing, because you think of people that are in need that we may refer to as needy, those who need something and and rely on others who have it to provide for their needs. And in a sense, it works very well, but in another sense, we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is we all have the gifts as beloved children of God, but we have stopped needing each other, and we've stopped needing God. So the invitation is to be needy. Now, I once sat with a friend over coffee, and I don't even know how it started, but someone posed the question, what's the worst invention that humans have ever made? If you could go back and uninvent one thing, what would it be? So we had a good conversation and I, I came up with good ones, you know. I was thinking in my head, maybe the atomic bomb or, or, or maybe maybe nations, right? Because now we think we're all different. Or I came up with credit card. Just because credit cards can get you in trouble and I, I think it would do everyone a lot of service if we just got rid of them. Can I get an amen? But my friend said something kind of interesting. He said, Air conditioning. Yeah, I did the same thing. What? Air conditioning? It's a great gift. That's a great invention. He said, no, it's not. Because he remembers a time when people would step out onto the front porch in the evening to enjoy the cool air, would see their neighbors, and would talk and share, and have an idea of what was happening around them. And we don't do that anymore, because we've conditioned our air to make being inside behind walls and doors more comfortable, so we don't talk to each other. And we wonder why we feel separation. It's not, it's not digital devices. We've been separating ourselves since air conditioning. That's what I'm proclaiming. I'm not sure that I want to uninvent it, but I get the idea. We've separated ourselves. And we do this. We do this all the time. We do it as people, as neighbors. We do it in the church, the big C church. We have different denominations all meeting this morning, doing things a little differently, which is really beautiful in one sense. That if you find connection to God in one way, great, go and be a part of that way. If that is what draws you to God. But at the same time, it fosters this potential for this is my church. And that's their church. And I'm going to focus on my church and my way. And their way is wrong. Division. Anyone experienced this? Yeah. We've experienced separation in our denomination. We're going through it right now. And we have been split and separate for a long time around different issues. And I could trace through the history, but I don't don't think I need to. And you can go and look and find plenty of places the things that have caused us to split and merge and split and merge and split and merge. And here we are wondering what's going to happen. Because we're threatened with a physical split to separate ourselves. We've even, dare I say, created separation in this room, in our church. We are isolated. And worse than that, we've convinced ourselves that that's a good thing, that we don't need each other. In fact, we've made it a cultural goal to not need anything from anybody, to pull yourself up, to stand on your own, to be independent because you don't need anybody. Well, Paul Paul wouldn't have agreed with that kind of thinking. And Paul definitely wouldn't have agreed with the thing sometimes I hear is, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And I think, wow, that's interesting. What is being a Christian if it's not being a part of a church? Paul offers this idea to the Corinthians because they had division. Now, what we talked about last week was some spiritual gifts seem really elaborate and powerful, and so those people were thinking that they were superior in some way, and others who had lesser gifts weren't as spiritual, and it was causing division. And Paul Put that to rest. And he continues today with this image. That we are one body and many members. Actually, he says Christ is one body, many members. And this vision is not original. Paul's not using anything groundbreaking and and just offering that image. Uh, Lots of people that day used the image of one body and many parts. But what happened typically outside of the church was they designated something or someone as the head. And then they designated someone or something as particular parts that seemed more powerful. The message was, know your place and serve the body. And Caesar, Caesar's the head. You don't argue with that. You play your part and you serve the body in that way. Paul does it differently. And this is what's groundbreaking. All members are of equal importance and value. We need every single part of the body. And this is the really monumental thing that I think sometimes goes right over our head. He says, we are the body of Christ. I'm going to say it a different way just so it strikes you with what I think he's getting at. The word Christ is just another word for Messiah. We are the body of God's Messiah. Does that feel different? Messiah. The idea in Paul's day is the Messiah is the King of The representative of God that perfects what God is all about. That puts it into human form to represent it to the world completely and perfectly. And that is what God needed. Now, way back in Abraham's day, God wanted to take the tribe, the group, the people, the family, Israel, that they may be God's people and live God's way to reveal God's truth to the world so that all the world may come to know God through them. But it didn't go so well, did it? And that's our story. Ups and downs, faithful times, unfaithful times, times when we have really great messiahs like David, and then times that we had others. We read about uh, Uzziah in Sunday school this morning. Not a good king, not a good king, did not represent God's way. And all the while, Israel is dreaming of representing God completely. And so we have the passages in Isaiah that talk about the suffering servant, and that is speaking of Israel. Embodying and being God's people as they were always meant to be, that they just didn't, maybe couldn't, until a rabbi from Nazareth comes along and fulfills the law and embodies the full truth of God and becomes the Messiah, the perfect representative of all God is about, revealed in flesh. And then died and then resurrected and breathed the life to the church to now go and be the Messiah God's people representative perfected on the earth that all the world may come to know God through it and we got the spirit to empower us this is our story church what is true of God should be true in us and while we Claim God alone and seek to be the Messiah, the representative of God alone, we're saying we are not seeking to represent anything else. Now, if being a good representative of God means you're really good at other things, that's great. But if you need to be good at this other thing, which means you can no longer be good at being the body of the Messiah, you have to say no. Because we have how many lords? So we are individuals, we carry unique functions and gifts which are part of the Messiah. Together, we are the body of the Messiah. We are not the body without each other. I am not the Messiah. You aren't either. But we are. See how this is a little hard to accept. We need each other. We need to be in need of each other. Now, we need feet. Let me illustrate it another way. We need feet to walk, yes? Is that the main thing you need? Simple enough, it took 200 muscles and all the bones and ligaments and tendons to take that single step. It took my whole body to do that. On the surface, I need feet. But the body knows it needs the whole body. And if we as a church are going to take steps forward and wherever the Spirit is leading us, we need the whole body. We need ears and eyes we need the body parts that are exposed, the parts that are unexposed, and Paul argues, you know, if it's kind of, it's kind of a, I think it's kind of a tongue in cheek. Even the body parts that you cover up because they're not exposable, you're actually showing them more dignity. So there's the proof that they're actually more honorable. He makes every effort to keep us from creating hierarchy. We're, we're all, we all need each other. We are all to be in need of each other. So what are we today? Do we, do we live this? Have we perfected what it is to be church? We are split as a universal church. And we fight about it. We've created hierarchies. Some will even point to another version of Christ's church and say, they're not real Christians. Have you heard that? Anyone? Yeah, uh, We're split as a denomination on a single issue. It's threatened the whole body. We've created hierarchies. Perhaps we've forgotten the image of the one body. Maybe we have not considered all that it implies in Paul's letter today. Or maybe just what I infer. Let me share an idea with you. He says, the eye can't say to the ear, you are not part of the body, yes? And the ear can't say to the eye, and let's just pretend they can have this conversation, okay? Because none of them have mouths. They don't have mouths, so they can't even have the conversation. But let's just pretend, for argument's sake, they can. How does the ear even explain to the eye what it does? What does it say? Any ideas? How does the ear explain that it hears to the eye, which has no idea what hearing even is? How does the eye explain to the ear what it does when it has no idea what seeing even is? They're operating in completely different worlds. Completely separate of understanding of one another which can lead to one of them saying to the other, you don't belong. Paul saying, no. Even when the eye and the ear can't even understand each other, we know they're needed, yes? They're both needed. Do they operate on the one body? Yep. Do they operate by the one spirit? Yep. Do they serve the one Lord? Yes. So why do we do this? I'll tell you, it's fear. We are afraid of what we don't understand. And when those of us who are eyes see the ears, don't understand what you're doing, so you need to stop. Or the ears might say to the eyes, I don't understand what you're doing, so I think you should probably find another church. There's no room for things I don't understand in my body. And Paul says, if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Friends, the body hurts. There are parts that hurt. Do you feel their pain? There are parts of the body that are celebrating you celebrate and joy with them? Or are we disconnected? Have we separated ourselves? Do we just want to be with the other eyes? Because at least we understand. I get the fear. I get it. But Paul's calling us to something bigger and better. Not be the body of what Joe thinks. Be the body of the Messiah. I wonder, might God have created us unique? Might God have placed even an ear and an eye in the same body who can't understand each other for a purpose? We can understand it in the image of the body. Yeah, we get it. Might God have created us so unique that we don't understand each other? Yeah. Might God require humility from us? Might He say, church, I need you to exercise Patience. The church is kind. The church should lack boasting. The church should stop keeping records of wrongs. The church should persevere and endure. Even through difficulties such as misunderstandings and even disagreement. Paul says if we profess Jesus is Lord, then we have the same Spirit. And we are therefore part of the same body. If you've been baptized out of the old life where you were an individual with your own desires and needs and it was all about you and you've been baptized into the church where now you're part of something bigger, not a separate body, but one body, a part of that body, empowered by the Spirit because we need you and you need us into a life of eternal sisterhood and brotherhood as members with Christ. If we don't understand each other, Must we divide and start hacking each other off? Jesus calls us to be the Messiah for God on earth. The Holy Spirit fills us with the gifts and abilities to do all that we need to do. Amen? We are given greater gifts to become the greatest body. But we must remain needy of one another, and of God, especially in the difficult times. We must trust. We must continue relying on the whole body that we may walk forward together in unity. Even when we don't understand all that's going on to even make it possible. If we're not all willing to commit to the one body empowered by the one Spirit, we're dead in the water. We will no longer move forward. We will stop we will cease. So I invite you in a new way today to let go of everything that you have come to expect from the body for you. And instead, ask, what can I do for the body? And I need everyone else. I don't have expectations of what You're going to do. I don't know how God's going to work it out, but I need you and I need to be here and I need to be a part of what's happening. Commit with everything you are. We need to commit with everything we are to be a part of the one body so that we can be the Messiah. And trust that God will provide what we need. Has God ever let us down? Will God ever let you down? Nope. So let us go and know and remain needy of one another in Jesus' name, let us walk together as the Messiah for the glory of nothing or no one but God. Will you walk with me? Are we going to be perfect? Are we going to hurt each other? Can we keep walking anyway? Yeah. I love you. Every one of you. As I've gotten to know you in six months, I can tell you I'm in love with this church. And everyone in here has just amazing gifts. I see it, I hear it, I hear others talk of it. I'm so thrilled to be a part of what's happening here. And there is nothing anywhere else that's going to shake me from walking where I have been called to walk with you as a body of Christ. So thank you. Thank you for receiving me. Let us then be needy of each other. Let us pray. Lord, Lord, life is difficult. Life can be hard and confusing, and I I begin to think maybe you've put us on here for decades because it takes us a long time to figure some stuff out. But I thank you that you are with us every step of the way, that you have gifted us the body, you have gifted us the grace to be a part of that body, and this body has been walking for 2,000 years, and I don't think it's going to be stopping anytime soon. I thank you for the grace that precedes us. For the stories ending that we already know it's as good as done. Help us to be needy, to let go of whatever is standing in our way that we can cling fully to you and to each other, the very body of the Messiah. Lord, I give you thanks and praise for this holy mystery that is just so beautiful. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.